What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Yala. So Terence just gave me a heads up before we started that he's gonna be he's gonna be having a more intimate voice this episode. Yeah, this is what happens when your when your <laughs> nanny when your confinement nanny leaves a week earlier than scheduled. So <laughs> suddenly your whole life is is thrown upside down. It really feels like yeah, this is like when you know when they say like oh having a kid can be hell. This is what it feels like. Yeah. <laughs> but you still sound you still sound relatively smiley. Yeah. Are you like are you, have you just like zen out? I mean, generally, you when you when the kid comes up, when you feel his first cry, you know you've signed a contract that this is you know this is it lah. And 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 you just some people take a while to get over that you know. Whereas mm. for me, it was like immediate ready lah. I just knew okay here, your your fog. Thankfully, because it's twenty twenty, you don't mm. feel like you're foregoing that much lah. Like you don't go out that much. You don't see your oh, friends. Yeah, that's as much true. Like that. So that for me, it's true, like uh. it's all part of circuit breaker lah. You know. <laughs> But <laughs> this is like phase two point five for you, uh. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Circuit breaker was like it's like the perfect way to prep couples for marriage and prep them for having kids and everything. Uh. Yeah, because after this, every year would probably feel like a walk in the park, uh. Like literally, you'll be walking in the park. Yeah, yeah, or going on the or travel bubble, going to no, visit actually, some that, countries and all that. That's so true. One of my closest friends had a kid during. Uh, circuit breaker and for him I mean in some way like like exactly what you said it was like still working f- being able to work from home but mm. being able to be home with his kids so in some way it was there was some benefit or some silver lining to it la. yeah 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 so you know silver lining Never oh, phase 2.5 for you uh. <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly it's only that much different from phase 2.0 it's I mean, even phase 3.0, I'm like, whatever. Lah. Who's going to go out in phase 3.0? Are you going to go out that much? Are you going to go and like, are you going to go and take like, uh, when you, do you want to go zoom and have to take like a swap test and then wait 15 <laughs> minutes before you enter the club? Who the hell is going to do that? Oh, that's the latest regulation. I wait 15 minutes to, oh, because you need to get your test results. Lah. Exactly, yeah. So, so apparently what is it? I think all the, a lot of the nightclubs, they're testing something where it's basically where you, arrive like 15 minutes early and then you sit there and take a test and then you wait 15 minutes before they let you in la. oh wow eh. <laughs> so and I, I mean, think also in some way I think some the, the besides the air travel bubble being postponed there was also the cruise to nowhere setting sail this yeah. week yeah. I think they should yeah. be oh setting sail this week no no as in they Shit. set sail on this week already this past week mm. and they came back to Singapore yesterday uh, safe and sound mostly I think and now I think they have to, I don't know if they need to quarantine themselves or anything for a couple of weeks. Huh? I know, I think it's in the Shanghai airport or something, like 100,000 visit travelers are not allowed to leave because two people uh, amongst the staff tested positive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah la, that is crazy. Yeah. This. <laughs> well, that's the world we're in. Uh, ATB, no, I, air travel I bubble, think, bus. I think people will, will go to Zuge. Like, I mean, now when I think about these kind of things, my first thought is like, okay, that's, there's no way people will do it but then I have to check myself because a lot of the things that I think people won't do people do and a lot of things that I think people do they don't do yeah that's true that's true I mean we are yeah. a different generation from those who will still go to zoo wearing masks uh. that's true yeah that's why it might be a whole new way of clubbing la. totally whole new way of clubbing no, it's like probably when the older generations look at us with dating apps right they're like what the fuck are these people doing yeah. but then we'll probably look at this next generation of clubbers where there's no physical contact Maybe they just I fuck, uh, you know, like they they literally I fuck. Yeah. No, okay, not literally I fuck, but they I fuck more. Like I fucking has never <laughs> been that integral to clubbing as now. La, because what, that's what all you can do. What's the difference between literally I fucking and figuratively I fucking? I mean, do I need to explain <laughs> that, Terrence? <laughs> so sure when you say not literally I'm, sure. I'm like huh what does not literally mean yeah la, not literally la, because I'm sure if someone I fuck someone else one of them's not gonna enjoy it la. yeah it's right? probably painful yeah. yeah it's not a mutual thing la, but like the metaphorical I fucking or like I fucking from a distance mm. that has never been more integral to the social scene in Singapore la. Mm. or maybe your mask la. your mask must be very very sexy yeah you know how they say that when you cover, <laughs> the more you cover something up, the more you want to look underneath it. The next time there's like, you know, like, oh, it's like G-string, uh. G-string kind of masks. G-string for that. your mask. Yeah. 
<laughs> like only cover just just reveal a bit of the lip yeah, yeah, just exactly. reveal a bit of the lip but it's not a whole lip yeah that's, <laughs> that's the new cleavage your nostrils <laughs> are the new cleavage that's yeah. so why holy shit then there'll be all these like wonder wonder masks to give you nostril <laughs> give your nostrils a little more lift yeah, or perkiness yeah, exactly oh, allow it. holy shit that's a business idea waiting yeah, to happen I think, I think we just stumbled across like next year's <laughs> time's greatest inventions <laughs> yeah, it's going to be on, on the virtual Victoria's Secret. Eh? Yeah. <laughs> but there was a but big segue. I mean, not a segue. Uh, we went off tangent. digression. Yeah, yeah. off tangent. But I mean, in some way, we are talking about something that could make a list that you just mentioned, right? Mm. The times list, right? Correct. And what we're talking about as the first topic is also something that could make an international list. Mm. Correct. Right? But before we go there, before we go there, Terrence, what yes. is the one thing we, we say every episode? It is our weekly or episodic plug. And I think some people complain that our previous plug was very weird. La. So we'll try and keep it normal is this it? time. La. Yeah. What's so weird about it? I think we, we ventured off into other kinds of plugs. La. But uh, <laughs> this time I just keep it straight. Like if you enjoy Yala, but like uh, thousand, almost, almost uh, 832 strong uh, group of people on Reddit please make sure to share it with at least one person to make their lives more interesting and hopefully more funny as well. Yeah, I mean, just want to give a shout out to our latest Instagram message or not one from the past few days. Uh, someone had a LASIK operation and he was in bed for like 11 hours so he listened to 11 Yalabad episodes straight. Yeah. I think someone, Fucking I think he has awesome. probably, my guess is he had a friend who played it for him because in his Instagram message he said that uh, I I watched ten episodes straight, so maybe he he was still blind. He didn't know that he wasn't really watching anything. He was just listening to a podcast. <laughs> so maybe his friend told, "Hey, you should check this out. Check this out, Yala." But then he pressed play, and then they, he thought he was on YouTube, but actually he oh, was on it was Spotify. Oh, was a YouTube video. <laughs> oh shit! Then when he took off his iPad, he was probably like, "What the fuck? I was just listening to these two people via voice." Yeah. Holy shit! Can I cheat that? Wow, that's why. Oh, eight, 10 episodes yeah, I watched 10 episodes but but yes back to what we were saying like uh, the the recent news that came out so as I read up about this I realised that this is uh, one step in a whole series of steps that first started like in 2017 mm. or 2018 mm-hmm. um, and that is the potential addition of hawker culture uh, into the UNESCO representative list of intangible cultural heritage of humanity Mm, I never correct. knew such a list fucking existed because the one thing that comes to mind is like, okay, it's a UNESCO heritage site, la, mm, right? Um, and Singapore actually does have a UNESCO site. It is the Botanical Gardens. It was put in the UNESCO uh, heritage list, I think in 2015. But this is the UNESCO representative list of the intangible cultural heritage of humanity. Yeah. Fucking so sounds like something that, yeah. It's probably alongside, I mean, I haven't looked, la, but it's probably alongside stuff like Swiss watchmaking, yes, and and, and, and things like yoga that. Yoga from right? India. Yoga from yeah. India. oh, like must be yoga yeah. from India. Then can is it? Yeah, yeah. Hey, where else does yoga come from? Don't uh, give me this fucking shit that it comes from. I don't know. Like where, River, where, where else? River Valley. That's a very nice studio. There's a very nice studio that, that they. I see a lot of good-looking people hanging out there. <laughs> <laughs> That's modern day yoga. That is modern. Can you imagine if all yoga yoga studios had like a UNESCO sign on it? Wow, oh. eh. yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be crazy, man. That would be awesome. But, but, but yeah. So this one, the reason why it made the news is because I think earlier this week it was revealed that the evaluation body from UNESCO has announced their recommendation for hawker culture to be included into this this list, la. And the whole process actually started a few years ago, no? Yeah, correct, correct. I think it was back in 2018. Yeah, because I think these things, yeah, they take years to, and a lot of uh, lobbying and campaigning by uh, and diplomacy and all that to be included in these lists. Because, I mean, I mean of course to us, it seems almost like it's obvious, like, hawker, hawker culture is such a big part of Singapore culture. It should be recognized as such but uh, I mean you can imagine every country probably having some kind of some kind of like food street culture food, like. yeah street food culture yeah. to speak of and but that's not included in here you know but but yeah. so for, very specifically having hawker culture in there uh, it's quite a big deal for Singapore la. 
So this one, it first started, the balls first started rolling uh, in 2018 during the National Day Rally when PM Lee announced that they will uh, nominate, Singapore will nominate hawker culture to be uh, possibly listed on that list. Yep. So like what you said is a whole process of like, they actually had to submit like a 10-minute video detailing why hawker culture should be part of that list and all that. And it's quite a, uh, quite a long process. Then there was a website that was started by STB, uh, no, by the government called OurSGHeritage.gov.sg for, for people to pledge their support and kind of let the UNESCO people know like, yo, fucking people love this shit, man. But of course, of course, uh, like with most things food related, it did, it did cause some, some uh, sentiment across the causeway up mm. in Malaysia. Uh, because basically Malaysia was saying, I think one of the most notable chefs from Malaysia, Chef One, uh, he said, uh, you know, when people are not confident in their, in their skills, they look for external validation or something, some mm. shit like that. Yep. But but what was the first thing that came, what made you want to talk about this today? Um, I mean, the, we, uh, okay, I mean, like this UNESCO heritage thing is a crowning of uh, of this, the Singapore street food culture that evolved from, uh, you know, the, the public house, public housing um, taking over like all the old kampongs we used to have. Because like, I think, how it used to be was that there'd be street hawkers and then they'll set up chairs and tables along the streets. Like how you would see typically in Thailand or Vietnam or all these other Asian countries you go to. Um, and, you know, people in the kampung would, would gravitate to these places to eat and then after that go home. But because we started to have public housing that took away a lot of the kampongs, took away a lot of the communal places where people uh, stayed and everything then they had to find a way to get all these street hawkers to, you know, uh, be part of the urban environment. The ho- the ho- So they created what was called the hawker center. La. And so for it to, you know, evolve from that to now being crowned as a UNESCO cultural heritage, uh, intangible cultural heritage uh, activity, right? Alongside, like, I mean, I'm just looking at the list. It's like, uh, you know, you just when you pull up like Switzerland, there's uh actually not Switzerland, but like Malaysia, Malaysia only has like, I think one, one like theater or something like that. I'm not very the sure. The Wayang Kulit lah, Wayang Kulit, Wayang yeah, Kulit. Yeah, the Wayang Kulit and then like, uh, you know, Indonesia has like Batik lah, their Chris and stuff like that. So, so it's, it's good lah and then when you look Singapore, I don't think any Singapore has had anything before, has it? Yeah, in this list, they only have for the heritage site, which is botanical mm, gardens. Yeah, so but this will be their first entry, la. Yeah, so it's a it's a big fucking deal, man, for for hawkers everywhere and something to be proud of. But at the same time, we also hear you also hear constantly that the hawker trade is dying. Uh. So, uh, you know, it's it's a bit of a uh, it's a bit of a conundrum now, right? Like we have this thing that is a UNESCO cultural heritage, but. Uh, there's not enough support or not enough, you know, uh, what you got backing from the government or whether from even from people to keep it alive, lah. And why is that so? Uh, I mean, so this is where like I was reading some articles about you know like, exactly like what you said. You know, it's a it's a badge of honor for hawkers, hawkers everywhere, and it's gonna do something to uplift the perception of. Hawking has a career in Singapore. And I honestly don't think it's going to change. It's going to change jack shit, la, mm. unfortunately. La. That's my first thought. La, because it feels like, you know, it's it's almost like, okay, one of those things that people are, oh my God, it's so amazing and all that. But the moment there's some, some price increase or something, there will be... I think people take hawkers' food too... For, for too take, take it for granted too much. Mm. Uh, I am guilty of it as well. Uh, and I think... This thing it's probably one of many things that need to be done to uplift the the hawker culture or maintain the hawker culture or prevent it from dying a slow death. Yeah, yeah. Um because I mean, even I think two years ago, uh it was the the Ian Sito, KS Sito who brought shed some light on the unfair contract terms of, of hawkers, I think in the Jurong Hawker Center or something where they were having to pay for customers to return trays or some shit like that. And for a while, it occupied the the national consciousness. La, because everyone was like, wow, fuck, the hawkers really are getting fucked the left, right, center. La. And everybody wants them to survive, but are you willing to pay like $10 for chicken rice? Probably no. Yeah. Right? So so it felt like one of those things that, oh, it's, it's sad. Uh, and when I see this, I'm like, okay, 
I hope this is not like like uh, I don't know racial harmony day you know which I'm I'm very cynical about because it just it makes people feel like they're doing something good but to me it doesn't really change much or it's like you know that thing where uh, how you say that, that thing on the MRT where you have that seat for elderly disabled and all that mm. you know on one side of the f- one school of thought is okay you have that you dedicate resources to make sure it's not there's always a seat but on the other school of thought it makes everyone else not give a shit like, because as long as there's one seat they don't need to care mm-hmm. so to me it feels like oh shit is this going to be the equivalent of that where people think that it's being uplifted but if it doesn't translate to the hawkers actually improving their livelihood and all that then is there a point la? so that's the cynical side of me yeah oh, it's very cynical eh? yeah <laughs> fucking cynical yeah. no because fucking I, I thought, cynical I mean I, I agree with a lot of your points that Singaporeans generally take uh, you know they, they, they react very badly to price increases from the hawker food and things like that la. like I, I sometimes I mean some of my friends they're high earning you know bankers or doctors and stuff like that and sometimes when they but the way they when we go to eat hawker centers, they talk about hawker food like wow, this one very expensive. I don't know eat this one. Then I'm like, well, but you just went to, but you just paid like fifty dollars for uh fifty dollars for your last for your last meal in some Japanese restaurant or something like that, you know? And mm. why 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 is it like increasing one dollar like creates such a visceral reaction to, to the whole thing la. But I think mm. that's where, you know, you know how in Singapore we always need someone, we always need. Some <laughs> yeah. foreigner to validate us, then we all like, oh yeah, 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 you know, do some very good, like you know, like Joseph Schooling had to go and win the Olympic gold medal. Then suddenly he's our golden boy, uh, or even JJ like Lin or Stephanie Sun, they had to go in Taiwan make it. Then they come back and then wow, big shot and everything. So it's like, in some ways, I feel like this would be the start of of at least really educating people to to yeah maybe really consider what what you value and and is it a fair wage uh? oh no okay let's not bring out the word wage that was very very tricky yeah but, sure. but are you like paying Calvin gonna talk about you no? <laughs> <laughs> he's gonna call me out for, for being a champagne yeah. socialist but but yeah, yeah so so I mean it, if you, even if it just gets you starting to think about it I think that's a it's a very good thing but also the other hand on the other hand also not just for the consumer but even just for government also like they have to start thinking very carefully every time they implement some new, uh, some new uh, what do you call it? Uh, policy, regula- or yeah, like regulation that. or policy. You know, like you know the whole fiasco about the those social those, enterprise or yeah, something. Social right? enterprises, the social enterprise hawker center. Yeah, they were managing hawker nah, centers, and then base. they yeah, and then they ended up like charging. I mean, exorbitant amounts for the washing and cleaning of utensils. And then some hawkers yeah. didn't even want to use it, and then they still had to pay for it and stuff like that. And then the yeah. rentals, like rentals for hawker centers in general, are like you know, uh, you you've heard of like subsidized rentals, but then there are also sky high rentals, and does it need to be so lah? So. When, when when something actually has like value because the rest of the world ascribes a value to it, right? And then and then there, there, you know people will be up in arms if you made some regulation that got rid of it or then it, you know, then change starts to happen. La. So so to me like this is a positive step. Eh? I'm not that that cynical about it to say like jack shit will change. <laughs> uh. Yeah. Wow, this is a this is a tables have turned uh. Huh? <laughs> because because normally I'm, I'm a dad. No, I'm okay, a dad. So I have to, I have I know, to preserve I know, this I know. shit now for you my have son this, this time. Yeah. You have this this fucking annoying glow of optimism, <laughs> la, which you never used to have. Uh, this new Terrence is annoying, yeah. yeah <laughs> and I feel yeah. no, I feel you have like fucking now I'm becoming the old Terrence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, because no, because the thing is when I think about this, I you know what 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 is one image that comes to mind is like Hopper Villa, you know. Mm. You know, Hopper Villa to me is a fucking awesome place. It's so yeah. ridiculous and so whimsical that I think it's... I, I went there once, I think last year for whatever reason. Yeah. And it fucking blew my mind. Uh, if you're listening and you haven't been to Hopper Villa, please go. I don't know whether you can go now, but it's this ridiculous park that was built by the Tiger, Tiger Bum brothers mm. like 60, 70 years ago. And to me, it is... It's so much character, it's so much history. And I think... It has been talked about some preservation or heritage, but objectively, no one gives no the most people don't give a shit lah. Yeah. And and when I see this the hawker thing, yeah, I I hope that it it like what you said, it prevents stupid policies or or exploitative things being done to take advantage of hawkers. Mm. But I don't know, man. Like, okay, do you think the Michelin stars have done anything for hawker centers in Singapore? 
uh, I mean, they've raised the profiles of some specific hawkers. Uh, yeah, for sure. For sure. We for have some the, specific hawkers. Yeah, we yeah. have the world's cheapest Michelin start dish. Singapore has uh, laid claim to the world's cheapest Michelin start dish. $2.80 for chicken rice. Yeah, but in some way also, that whole thing, the the, the cheap hawker food is mm. is a problem also, right? Because I think, uh, I think there's this one thing that people always point out that if you look at first world cities around the world, yep. where else in the world can you get a meal for $3? And mm. it's true, la, I think, you know, like, anywhere, like, uh, everyone says, you know, Tokyo, the food expensive, New York, uh, London, food ex- is expensive, but once you remove that layer from, of hawker food from Singapore, right, I think food in Singapore isn't really that cheap and the quality yeah. you get for the equivalent amounts you pay in other first world cities is lower. La. So, in some way, the ho- having the hawker center there almost gives this false pretense that Singapore is very cheap mm. or, or something along those lines. And I think the whole thing, the cheap hawker food, cheap hawker food is a, is a perspective that can be more harmful, if anything. La. Yeah, especially if the prices don't keep up with like inflation, la, like inflation of the price of ingredients and stuff like that. Because you know yeah. that, that stuff goes up quite a bit. La. Um, yeah, but the other thing I was also just thinking was that actually to one good thing to compare the Michelin star and the UNESCO so is a bit different like, because Michelin star is ultimately is a private organization you know who's who's watching who's watching over them right whereas like mm. the UNESCO's like I think UNESCO list is much more stringent in terms of like if you want to remain on a list or even get on the list it's not as easy like you know it's not just about mm. Uh, how famous or how well known your thing is like for example the I, th- I remember when I went to Myanmar and saw the Bagan temples you know the temples in Bagan right the one where you mm. take the 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 what do you call it, the hot air balloon and you can see all the temples yeah, in the yeah, distance. Yeah, yeah. you know th- those were only designated as a UNESCO World Heritage Site in 2019 oh Tem- is it yeah I mean, these are thousands of years old these are like you know loved by visitors and tourists and everything but only in 2019 finally then they were designated as World Heritage Sites and you know why it's because they the government apparently did a lot of uh, restorations and, and unapproved kind of like uh, restorations to the temples uh. and then that fundamentally changed the 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 or, what what the temples originally were uh, their original foundations and everything so so that I think they because of that UNESCO refused for for quite a number of years to actually give them that give them that accreditation so so having that kind of like uh sort of a world body overseeing the whole thing it helps me see that okay at least there there might be it's more than just like Singaporeans copying about it on Reddit or whatever about about you know uh every time we like every time we lose something like the national library the old national library. Or you know when they decide to tear down like uh buildings or build a new bridge or build a new tunnel or things like that, we always, I always feel like that one we it's like screaming into a, in a into a into a into a pillow like nothing happens uh. Whereas like if there's a mm. UNESCO body that you can petition, you can write to, and you know make noise about something, that gives you another avenue lah to copy about stuff la. so it's complaint to a teacher la, right it's complaint exactly. to a teacher basically it's not give you headmaster <laughs> now you've got headmaster's <laughs> phone number to, to complain to no but just the, the point you made just now about the Bagan temples I think honestly you know you, one reason could be right because the, the Singapore like they fucking train us to be good at exams right I guarantee you the people who submitted this application right probably look for some 10 year series for applications to UNESCO before they just study that that's why they were fucking good like, whereas in Myanmar yeah. you know they want to restore the temples and all they didn't think about these sort of things you need to understand the game man mm. you need to be good with your application yeah. but then I mean okay so so on on the more optimistic side there are actually programs now which I just discovered that kind of encourage younger people to to learn the art of hawking no? mm. like Correct. because okay I think I think one thing that everyone is seeing everywhere is that yeah, there's this concept of hawker, hawker, hawker centers which are fucking awesome. Uh, but then as they move into malls and all, yeah, the air condition comes in. Mm. And then I think everyone has probably been to some food court where the people cooking the food are not really hawkers. Yep, yep. They just they just come in and follow the steps. Like, and you can yep. tell by the quality of the food. Like. Yeah. So whenever I see like some, some younger people taking over the stall of their parents, I always feel like, fuck, I want to eat there just to support them. Mm. Uh, because I think that is awesome, la. And and I think there are, there are more and more examples around at 
you know, old airport road food center, Ju Chat and all where the where the younger people take it on and they add a bit of modern a modern take on it while preserving the what made their parents uh, or family stall so good line. I think that is fucking awesome. And mm. I would even go so far as to say that I think that's happening now more now, at least pre COVID mm. Then like do you feel do you feel that there's a there's a growing trend of that? Uh of young people taking over their parents' stores? Yeah. Um yes, but it's not in I think it's not enough to stem Sustain, the tide uh. of yeah, stem the tide of like uh the older generation of hawkers basically retiring or I mean, you know, being uh, for lack of a better term, la, like basically uh being phased out la, by by, by mm. time la. and uh and yeah, la, people coming the people like you say a lot of the new hawkers come in, a lot of them are just trying to make a quick buck. I, I heard from some some people that yeah, sometimes they these people they open the hawker centers just for like uh they just, just want to do it for like six months and try to, you know, make a quick buck or something like that and get ah, out really of it. Yeah. They said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like six months. Make to a, a quick year. buck in hawking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I mean so it's just one of those uh like let's say you you go to a hawker center that uh is you know, has a lot of big lunchtime crowd or something like that. Then you just set up for a short while just to like, you know, uh Try and try and bank on that, lah. The the lunchtime crowd, and if it doesn't work, they just shut it down within six months to a year, lah. Or just or just move on to something else, lah. But so, that's the 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 always the question with starting your own thing, right? I mean, same thing could be said about influencers or content creators, right? Just try doing YouTube channel for six months. If nothing comes out, fuck. Our first gig came not even within six months, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, the 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 thing about it is that Hawking is a. I was trying to think like what what's the yeah what's the difference between like going to a restaurant or going to a hawker. And a hawker, a lot of it is like, uh, you know, is the concept of like being able to take, uh, use very minimal resources, very little space, very little, you know, like uh, kitchen equipment and everything, and then having the you add in your your element of human skill, and then you're still able to produce something delicious to eat, uh, in mass quantities, like You know, and then very short period of time, such that you can feed a lot of people, and 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 get paid for it, lah. So. It's quite different from a restaurant where you know where you invest in a sort of a production line kind of thing, right? Mm. Uh, where every element is 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 you know it's almost its own department, like dishwashing is its own department, like preparing the ingredients is its own department, and then actually plating everything is its own thing. So it's a very different thing. Where hawking is much more of a, it's like it's meant to be stay as a one to two person operation, like to you know to 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 be very fast and all that. So yeah, there's a very big skill element to it that cannot. I feel like cannot be learned within six months to a year. That's why a lot of this, a lot of these, yeah, like, why. yeah, these F and B businesses that, that I mean, they start out as F and B businesses and then they will fail uh, because, yeah, they, they just realize like it's just not possible within the constraints of that hawker store to 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 run it like a restaurant or what You know. Yeah, I mean, have you like have you tried like making an omelet? Like I've been fucking trying to make, make a, a what? good omelet. What's omelet? Omelet. 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 <laughs> okay, so this is where this is where like I don't understand. Like even the first time I said that to my girlfriend, she's like, "What's an omelet?" I'm like, "It's a fucking omelet." <laughs> Apparently, you pronounce it omelet, is it? I mean, how do you pronounce it? How do you pronounce omelet, it? Omelet, omelet, yeah. Omelet. Fuck that, like it's an omelet. What, what, omelet. what is the difference? What okay? What other word sounds remotely close to omelet to be confused? Such to the point when I say amulet, you're like, what's amulet, that? Amulet, amulet, amulet. Fuck you, like. it's amulet. I think that's also what my girlfriend said. I'm like, yeah, how? Amulet. Why? No, it's an it's an omelet. Okay, it's an omelet. It's not omelet. Why is it an omelet? Omelet. It's O M. It's not O. It's R. Like om om. Then what do I say? H O M. Omelet. You say omelet lah. A H A H M. So you A R M A R omelet. You say you say omelet. Yeah. And you omelet. say omelette. Omelette. Oh. Om- omelette. Oh, yeah. O-R-M. I say omelette. Omelette. Fuck off lah. Yours is A-R-M. <laughs> it's an omelette. Omelet. It's an omelette. If you ever come to my house and you ask my mom for an omelette, she'll be, what are you talking about? It's okay? not an omelette. It's an omelette. Omelette. <laughs> no, no, same thing. Anywhere in my family, you ask for an omelette, people will be like, what the fuck is that? Is it an omelette? Then they'll be like, oh yes, come. How many eggs do you want? Okay. So just, if but anyone listening, if, if I you, go to if your- you ever... If do I go so do you if I want to eat the omelet do I go to your hum or do I go to your home? <laughs> omelet or omelet? 
Do I go to your because hub my, or do I go to your home? Do you go to my ho- house or my house? <laughs> I'll go to your home. That's why I go to your home to eat an omelette. Home. Yeah. Omelette. Yeah. Omelette. Omelette. Okay. Omelette. You, you, yeah. you come to my house to eat my omelette. Yeah. But if I go to your hum, then I go and eat your omelette. <laughs> right. Correct. I don't even know what's hums, yeah. yeah it yeah. sounds vulgar, yeah. yeah. But yes, okay. Fucking omelette slash omelette slash fried egg pancake. Yes. Yes. Okay. What the fuck was I going to say? Yeah, oh, yeah. about how how even to master something like making an omelette, making an omelette, making a fucking, I'm saying omelette, okay? Making an omelette is so damn difficult. That's why if you watch the documentary, the Jiro, Dream, Jiro Dreams of Sushi, yeah. right? Yeah. That, that, and that, that, that I think is something somehow the Japanese managed to have sushi across all spectrums of like, the the price like granted mm. that it is a it is a cuisine but you go to Japan you can get sushi on the street like the stand up sushi bars you get sushi in grocery but you also get super high end sushi mm. and I guess the thing about hawker maybe the problem with hawker f- culture is it's so broad and it's not defined by anything in particular like what like like you said is the defining characteristic of a hawker meaning like a small constrained space in a public setting alongside other hawkers. Like, yeah. I think that that might be an issue. Like, whereas sushi, it is so pointed and it's almost like a craft. Mm. Even though I think hawking is a craft. Like. Yeah, yeah, correct, correct. I mean, yeah, it's the... I think you... Uh, inevitably, because... Uh, yeah, we... Hawker... When you talk about hawker culture, it's not just one cuisine. It's all cuisines, yeah. right? You yeah. also have to bring in the element of the infrastructure of the place, law. Like hawker centers and you know the small space, the small store, the small, the lack of a lot, of a huge central kitchen or anything like that, and 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 basically like individuals bringing in their own skills and know how to cook in mass quantities, lah. So that element I think is is what is quite unique about hawker centers, lah. In that mm. like you can't go to a street food store in Thailand or Vietnam and ask them to like. I mean they can lah. They can cook for a lot of people, but. Yeah, it's just one type of cuisine. Like, whereas a hawker center, you can go and get a lot of different types of cuisine uh, in mass quantities. La. I mean, in some way, like, you know, just so you mentioned Swiss watchmaking, right? Which I think globally is seen as like a skill that is perfected. Yeah. And I can imagine people, when they meet someone from Switzerland, they already have in his mind, this poten- this guy could, could potentially be very meticulous. Mm. It'd be fucking dope, right? Yeah. If people look at Singaporeans as someone, okay, you just give like three ingredients, <laughs> one square meter, a bunch of utensils, boom, the food will come out. I think that would be a pretty awesome thing to be known for. But yeah. isn't that the story of Singapore? We had no natural resources, we had no land, we had nothing. We had a deep harbour, that's what we had. See, that's the story of Singapore on 9th August every year. La. <laughs> but for, uh, uh, around the world, what is Singapore known for? Imagine uh, like, yeah, if like yeah. when you're with, you meet some international people, they're like, oh shit, we're stranded on the roadside. We only have three ingredients. I happen to have a spatula with me and a pen. Oh gosh, what can we do? Fuck, you're Singaporean. Thank God you can whip up something with just a a, a small space and some drops of oil. Yeah. Fantastic. That would be fucking great, man. Yeah, that would be great if uh, that was our reputation rather than caning and, and, and yeah, that's chewing right. gum. Can I have chewing gum? Yeah. Boring. Or the, or the Marina Bay Sands, the infinity pool. Oh my God. Yeah, that's why. So maybe in the Singapore passport, there should be that little pop-out fork and spoon, you know, or like something that anywhere in the world when you travel, you have the the chance to to really display our culture, la, which is his ability to create like uh, a little smidgen of 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 culinary greatness out of a little thing. La. Yeah. Of course, not to belittle the fact that hawkers who have been doing it for 30, 40 years are, are craftsmen on their own. La. Oh, mm. but one thing I did want to say, do you think... Do you think the fucking healthy options that are kind of imposed or encouraged uh, on hawkers uh, by the, like, let's say the health promotion board is a problem also or not? Problem in what sense? As in, it, that contributes to just making the the preservation of hawkers harder. Uh, Why, why would it make it harder? I, I, because to me, at first I didn't think so, but when I was reading up on this, um, it felt like okay, hawkers. No one goes to hawker stalls to have healthy food, like You try and go there and make stuff healthy, as opposed to find healthy options. 
right? Mm-hmm. And I can imagine if you're a hawker already with limited resources, getting pushed from every fucking angle, now you have to think of a low-calorie option to your chakwe dao. What, mm-hmm. what, what the fuck are you going to have to do? You're going to make it a whole grain chakwe dao or something, is it? So, so why not just leave it in the hands of the consumer to decide rather than kind of... I mean, the, the beauty of hawker food is like it's, it's taste first. Not to downplay the importance of being healthy, but is it just another case of the government saying, okay, you don't know what healthy food is, let us tell you what healthy food is. Oh, I get what you're saying. You're saying that basically imposing all these like uh, requirements for it to be healthy actually take away yeah. from the whole experience. Huh? Yeah. Mm, okay, I mean, uh, there's it is a valid point. It is valid. It is valid. And you got nothing else to say. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's, it's not even a, 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 it's not even something I'm thinking about that much right now. Cause like, um, I mean, the just hawker centers are just. I think hawkers are just. It's just a dying trade, lah. That one's the more urgent issue. I think that that is a bigger concern, lah. Yeah, but I guess okay. So maybe a cause of that rather than the the health thing being imposed by. Ministry of Health. I think generally people are trying to be healthier, not across all socioeconomic tiers or anything, but generally they are trying to be healthier. And yeah, uh, the fucking hawker food is not healthy. It is just not healthy. It's not healthy. It's not healthy. It's, it's, it's something you should eat in moderation for sure. Yeah, but as opposed to having like chaipeng, like the economy rice for lunch and dinner, you know, now people, uh, I think people are also trying to avoid rice and carbs, which doesn't bode well for hawker food. Uh. Oh, so so you're saying people being more health conscious, going to yeah, like yeah, yeah. daily cut and do all that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I think, I, I, see, I see where you're going. I see where you're going. Yeah, That's a valid is, point it's, also. Like, it's, a, it's a valid point. It is valid. It's valid. It's like, I, mean, I guess like, I don't know, I, I guess like... Um, I haven't seen the whether there's other types of food that is or food preparation or what that's preserved in the list, because uh. that would be interesting to compare, la, versus hawker culture. I think kimchi. I think kimchi ah, is there. Kimchi, okay, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah so then there's a big part of that of Korean culture also, right? Yeah, yeah, it is. Mm. But hmm. So I guess yeah. And but the but but the thing is, we don't even know whether it's going to be part of it because it is going to be announced. Uh, during something that's happening from December 14th to December 19th. So everything we're talking now might be totally irrelevant uh, in a few weeks' time. But hopefully, I mean, as cynical as I was, I do still hope that it makes it to the list. Yeah, yeah and, and obviously, like, uh, we we love our hawker food, right? That's why we're also talking yeah. about it. And then what, thinking of ways to try and save it as well, lah. I remember yeah. like back back when we were studying overseas, there was the Singapore day when they traveled, when they would bring these hawkers to to places in like New York and London and all that. And it was freaking awesome to eat like hawker food while you're Prata, overseas. Chicken rice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh, I don't know whether it's just the cold weather or so, but it just makes it such a fantastic experience. Yeah, and I remember when I brought some of my uni friends to this one Singaporean restaurant in Philadelphia called Penang. I don't know if it's still around. And they tried Hainanese chicken rice for the first time. They asked the same question that I'm sure anyone who has brought a non-Singaporean to eat chicken rice has asked, which is, hey, is the chicken cold? And part of me was like, hey, fuck you, okay? Don't tell me how to eat my damn chicken. Chicken cold, cold chicken with Hainanese rice, chicken rice is the fucking bomb. And and yeah, I felt I felt more patriotic just having that discussion than singing home or something. Do you remain friends with them now? Yeah, of course. Those are some of my best friends at school. Wow, fantastic, fantastic. Yeah, man. They, they probably, at least with this UNESCO heritage thing, there's one more thing that they can, they can, one more reason for them to come visit Singapore. Right? Yeah, and like at the conversation, like that conversation, I, instead of like having to articulate why it's so awesome, I could have been, yo, fuck you, you just insult, insulted a UNESCO uh, heritage of humanity. Okay, you apologize now. Exactly. And then being you, like... You've, you've uh, been an asshole to humanity. Yeah, that's why. <laughs> yeah. You're being an asshole to humanity. Now you take it back. Okay, you take it back. Yeah. See, it would make those sort of discussions easier as well. Yeah. Cool, so, man. So we found a very practical use for it, the UNESCO, UNESCO yeah, listing. Yeah. So there's a, yeah, Exactly, there's a practical use to argue with foreigners who don't appreciate cold chicken. Yeah. Exactly that. Exactly Fantastic. that. Fantastic. But, but to, cool. 
to that that's a, I think a good point to segue into our next topic. So please, please do the honors. No no no, I thought I thought you you it will be your turn, right? Don't we take turns no, on but this? But you can't all? Yeah, but you can't set me up for a segue like that, right? Huh? What do you mean? Segue. Have I set you up for a segue before? Yeah. It's like a it's like volleyball. Right? I set you up for the spike, yeah. Okay. Oh yeah, yes, yes. I see. Yeah, well, yeah. Why? Why did that seem so alien to me? Yeah. Okay. We were talking about UNESCO heritage lists, right? So, so I mean, on the the to do list of of women, some women, uh, I guess people in general, you always have like a to do list of health things to do to keep well, right? And I'm guessing for fuck, I am I I don't know. Uh, never mind. I'll just go ahead with it. But yeah, I'm guessing for women out there, one of the things on that health list is to do a mammogram, right? Mm. Which is yep. a is a is a test to see whether you have breast cancer, right? Um, and recently there was a ad that was put out by the Breast Cancer Foundation that caused uh, some kerfuffle in 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 public. I think it was kind of kickstarted by Pam Oi, who is a, a well-known actress in Singapore, uh, who pointed out that. The ads are somewhat confusing la, because because the caption is, I mean, it's a blue ad. I think this was at bus stops and MRTs and all that. And the tagline was, to stop the spread, mask up. And the secondary title was, for your breasts, go up, down, in, out, and all around. Mm-hmm. And that was it. And then there's a, there's a kind of like a cartoon outline figure of a female with a mask. So okay. that was one ad. Okay. That was one ad. Then another ad was uh, staying home saves lives, heading out saves breasts. <laughs> okay. That makes zero sense, but okay. Okay, this one had a bit of a of a subtext, like a small paragraph saying, fight against the other health crisis that is breast cancer with yearly mammograms if you are above 40 and monthly breast self-exams. So that gave a bit more context. Mm. And then the final one, it showed an outline of a tap, a uh, palm of hands, and the tagline was palm to palm between fingers and also all around your breast. Mm, mm. So so how did how did you catch wind of this? Uh, uh through the the mothership article where that highlighted what Pam Wee wrote also. Pam Wee is like yeah. a I mean she's a quite outspoken uh theater practitioner, right? Who who also mm-hmm. speaks mm-hmm. about a lot of uh social injustices and issues like that. So I think mm. I think she mentioned that um, she had lost a family member to breast cancer before. So this wasn't a laughing topic, lah. But she just felt like the English and the whole the whole idea behind the ad was just very ill conceived. And and but, uh, yeah, sorry, what? No, no, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, uh, and, and I mean, she's calling. She's specifically calling out the ad for bad grammar and also just being very unclear about exactly what what they're talking about lah. but so this I mean this in some way turned out to be a case of an ad that is so bad that it actually did what an ad is supposed to do lah. Mm. get mm. people writing articles about it get people posting about it and get people talking about it on podcasts uh, yeah, yeah yeah you could say that but yeah okay carry on carry on I mean so I think I think after reading the article, I actually liked what they were trying to do. It's just the way they did it that, fortunately, it got some buzz But it is fucking weird because what they were trying to do is it's it it's something that didn't occur to me that uh I mean I I I'm men so the whole mammogram thing is is alien to me. Mm-hmm. But what I understand is if you're above forty, you do schedule this these yearly mammograms and all that. Like, and because of COVID, a lot of people were pushing it back mm, mm. because you don't want to go to hospitals. And that is not a good practice because then you can leave things undetected. Like. So this campaign was trying to tackle that and trying to tell women that, okay, um, that there's, there's this crisis going on which is horrible, you need to take care, but you shouldn't uh, push aside something that could cause other problems like, which I thought was a very nice message and a very important message it's just how they did it was like how the fuck did they conceive this it felt like too many cooks spoiling the broth yeah yeah but um, if if there wasn't this article written about it if someone didn't call it out it wouldn't have been noticed at all right I guess so yes yeah if someone didn't call it out it wouldn't have been noticed at all yeah so you can't really say that it, it was good right 
I mean, that's the thing about that kind of shitty ads that go viral. Uh. I think at no point were people expecting this outcome. This just happened to have, have happened. Uh. But at the same time, there are so many ads that you see like, how you, there are so many ads these days are forgettable. So I don't know whether these people thinking about this were thinking, okay, let's do something a little cryptic uh, such that people go like, ah, what the fuck is this? Uh, and they, they apparently put like these QR codes at the bottom corner of each ad uh, in the hopes that people mm. will be confused and then go there to look uh, more at it and find out more. La, which is a big fucking risk, man. If you're expecting someone at a bus stop to to want to go the extra mile and search. So, I don't know. So I don't know how they came up with this campaign. I don't know whether they had the foresight to think that, okay, people are going to be pissed off, people are going to call us out and we're going to go viral. Mm, but you think people don't do QR codes now? Eh? I thought QR codes are like the the most uh everyone's so familiar with QR codes because of safe entry now. Don't correct, correct. So? Um I think I think well, what I was getting at is that you have you are forcing them to take an extra few steps, which in the marketing kind of uh general practice you should you should limit la. Uh I think Terence just went on mute. Cause we are actually doing this this podcast on a WhatsApp call. No no sorry. Can you hear me, Terrence? Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 But yeah, I mean, um I find it's um you're still relying on QR codes, yeah. It's still tough la, for in general, especially when you put them on ads and and the I looked at the ad and it was a lot of words on it. So a QR code also wasn't the, the most immediate thing that jumped out at me. La. So so that's why I've, I didn't feel it was a very effective ad that way. La. Yeah. So I mean, I think yeah, like Objectively, this was a horrible ad. It's just good for them that it caused some buzz. Uh, some buzz, la. Yeah, yeah. But it's a it's a good reminder to always check with your always always pay your non essential artists, your copywriters, and everyone <laughs> yeah, pay them well, right. because like yeah, I mean, Pam always pointed out that one of the most immediate things was it was just grammatically wrong, la, The when they said you can't go in and out of a breast, you know. Uh, so, so so it's just it's just confusing to people when you use bad grammar. Yeah, yeah. Sure. I mean I think like so that's that's this is one of those things that uh it's such an important thing and I think there have been more interesting campaigns done, I don't know whether in Singapore but abroad that tackle the issue of like how to do a a good mammogram and all that. Like. And something that, that I saw my friends sharing as they were commenting about this topic was uh, let me see. Yeah. I think they they basically <laughs> use describe how to do a mammogram using uh man boobs la. Ooh, <laughs> so, man boobs. so it was a it was a funny video that uh was was done in a way that was lighthearted and yeah they they basically used that. So so I think that that got a lot more traction um organically and I think there was this campaign from a while back where they basically I think this was there was an ad that was done on a on a porn site or something like that mm. where they they would this had these banner ads that would I can't remember but it was something like an interactive thing where you, they would prompt your cursor to move around like this these animated boobs or something in certain directions and then at the end of it they're like oh congrats you've just done a mammogram I see, so I, I know see, I see. that is oversimplifying it, but I thought it was a smart way of kind of pulling people in through a, a means that they wouldn't expect something like this and then at the end of it still learn something. Remember the, the old simple pickup videos where they would uh, offer free prostate exams, examinations mm-hmm. for men uh, and then they would yeah. get like a really hot like nurse to be on the street with them to do the to do the exam in public uh, like right there and then um, yeah some, Simple Pickup uh, is the YouTube channel uh, right? yeah Simple Pickup was a they used to do a lot of pickup videos a lot of like pranks and stuff like that but um, that was one of the things and then I think they did it to raise money for some charity foundation that that, that, that deals with prostate cancer uh. but but I, I'm I, I, if I'm not wrong there was something where they where the the charity money they wanted to donate was rejected la, because of the they you know the organization felt that their prank wasn't in very good taste. So Yeah. Yeah, this kind I of things can backfire also. La. 
Yeah, I, I think no. so. The the thing that the simple pickup had um, that the charity um, rejected was they were actually raising money for breast cancer, but they did it by mm. allowing people to motorboat someone. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> Guys, this is YouTube 2015, so uh, yeah, it is very outdated. If we yeah. we don't endorse this kind of video anymore, but back in 2015, this was the norm. Yeah, and if you're listening and you don't know what motorboating is, um, I mean, I know some of our listeners have said they play this for our pa- for their parents. So, uh, just maybe you go Google it. Go Google it. Uh, motorboating. <laughs> you'll probably find a few meanings, but uh, I'm sure when you see the meaning that we are referring to, you will get it. Yeah. But uh, Simple Pickup did this video where they were motorboating for breast cancer awareness. La, and I think it got a lot of views yeah. and it raised a good amount of money, but the charity refused to accept it. La. Yeah. <laughs> wow, <a> simple <laughs> so, pickup. <laughs> so, yeah, so there's also one thing where okay, it got a lot of views, but is that really the best thing for the campaign? Yeah, yeah exactly. So, so yeah, something to think about. Like, next time, next time you're ever doing anything <laughs> for charity, just just because you're doing it for charity doesn't excuse you from you know thinking about other aspects like whether it's done in good taste, la, You know. Yeah, exactly. Because I mean, ultimately, you still want to do stuff that's constructive, lah. But if you're doing stuff that on one hand does something terrible, uh, yeah. but on the other hand does something good, are you really doing good? Are you? Mm. It's like punching yourself in the face and then putting uh, aloe vera cream. Yeah. <laughs> is that? Do you use aloe vera cream to deal with bruises? No, aloe vera cream is sun 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 sunburn. What the hell am I talking? Sunburn. sunburn. Or, or you just eat it with uh eat it with your dessert, no? Aloe vera. Yeah, correct, correct. With your dessert. <laughs> But yeah, like, Correct. That's, that's the conundrum. But yeah. That these, uh, yeah, we'll put the we'll put the link in the in the show notes so you can see the ad yourself. Uh. Yeah. But speaking of cool. something good, it brings yes. us to our final segment, which is our one shock thing. Yeah. So what is your now, one shock thing? My one shock thing is uh this article that I read uh a while ago. I think it was in October. Uh, it was actually a New York Times article, so I couldn't read it because I don't have a New York Times subscription, but there are other web websites that syndicate it so you can find it there. It's an article about Mesut Ozil. Have you you know you know Mesut Ozil, right? So uh, so for those former German player, right? Yeah, he's he's a World Cup winning German soccer player and if you're not listening, yeah, I mean you can easily YouTube uh Mesut Ozil highlights and all and I think he's one of my favorite players just because of the way he plays. He's one of those players who are super calm on the ball and they just do stuff that it makes it look like they are so graceful and never in a rush and like it's just fucking uh, gorgeous to watch. Lah. Um, and he won the World Cup with Germany then he moved to Arsenal. He moved to Real Madrid then he moved to Arsenal and he was doing very well for himself but he kind of decided to be vocal about the treatment of the the human rights issues in Xinjiang in China you know with the uh Uyghur uh, Muslims and the human rights violations there so he's a Muslim and I think a lot of people his manager were advising him against being public about that but he felt like he had to say something and mm. immediately I think he tweeted something and since then over the course of like 10 months or 12 months, he just kind of disappeared off Arsenal's roster, la, which oh, didn't make sense because he was still playing well. And yeah, now he hardly features and this whole article kind of uh, uh, gives the chronology of events that happened. Um, and yeah, I mean, you 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 kind of look at this, this guy as someone who stood up for something he believed in but ultimately got screwed over, la, which when you think about, say, Colin Kaepernick, um, he had a he had a nice arc where he became like a hero, la, mm. right? Whereas Mesut Ozil is damn sad, yeah, because he's just fading away, and mm. yeah, it's just so sad because he's so fucking talented. And I thought the article did did a nice thing of documenting. It's like you know the article that the Rise Media article about Stephen Lim last time, yeah, yeah, yeah. where yeah. you see this guy who you see a different side of him and you understand the predicament more and you kind of feel for him. La. So this article I just thought was a very somber reminder of that. But are you sure are you very sure that it's nothing to do with this the level of his play right now? 
I mean, it it uh it might be, but there was a a definite impact to to his actions lah. Mm. I think immediately he got dropped by Arteta mm. after that. I see. Yeah, and then after that with less playing time, then it just it just snowballs from there lah. Wow, that's sad lah. Yeah. Yeah, it's fucking sad, yeah. No, I was just watching like, yeah, I think Danny Welbeck, like, you know, the ex-Manchester United uh, player who later, I think, moved to Arsenal or something. I just uh. saw him like, eh, suddenly uh, start in a in a game yesterday for, for I think, uh, El- Bright, Bright Hove Albion or something, uh, you know, the club. Mm. Uh, and, and yeah, he, he scored, he scored in his, on his debut for the club. So I'm like, oh shit, these guys were, you know, in the early noughties no, like the 2012-2013 they were like sensational and all and then now like what happened to all of them like, a lot of them just like faded away and you don't know where they are they're playing for different clubs and everything so like they're yeah. failing players just like we're a failing channel <laughs> no like, I mean failing failing, <laughs> yeah, like, failing YouTube channel <laughs> but rising rising podcasting podcasters yeah exactly yeah exactly but yeah, that was my that was my one shield thing. Interesting. I'm gonna check it out. Uh, my one shield thing yeah. is the Netflix series Dash and Lily. I know I recommended a I already recommended a Christmas rom com on Netflix uh, a couple of weeks back, Holiday. Mm. But I would say scratch that because that one. Uh, it, I mean, it was really kind of cheesy and, and and just like formulaic. Whereas uh, Dash and Lily was much more of a. It's still, I mean, it's still a Christmas rom comy kind of thing, but it's a whole series uh, on Netflix, and it's actually a bit more, a bit deeper than, deeper than, um, you know, the, the typical Christmas rom coms like Holiday lah. So I, I would Dash say Dash and Lily. Yeah, Dash and Lily. It's a, it's based huh. on a young adult novel, a uh, young adult book lah, that they made into a Netflix series. Basically, the idea is that um, these two teenagers who are, they are like uh they write to each other in a notebook that they leave around different parts of New York City and then they have to find they have to find the book and complete challenges in order to get to know each other better. Lah. So, oh. I mean, it completely sounds like something that teenagers would, would gravitate towards. But it's, I mean, it was it's done pretty well and it, it really hits all the right notes in terms of a Christmas rom-com. Lah. So oh, you're such say, a warm and warm and uh, optimistic person now. Uh. Yeah, uh, Talking about it, holiday movies and all that. Next time I watch things will be like Disney. Nothing but Disney yeah, shows. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think I can be friends with you anymore, man. Yeah, because normally you you are the yang to my ying. You know? Now you are yinging to my ying. And yeah. I'm becoming the yang. I think I think yeah la, but it's probably your your real self comes out more la, when you when you you know when life when life events a... take over like big big things take over la. Oh, so and, now you're saying yeah. that deep down you've always been an optimist, is it? But you just always been, with I've a... always been a ro- uh, I've always romantic over romanticized everything. I'm a, uh, always an optimist and everything. La. It's just that I mean I hang yeah, out with the wrong people. Now, now you are. I hang out with the wrong people and then they, they make me they make me cynical. <laughs> No, now, now you you we were talking in the last episode about me rewriting history about Tin Bailing, right? Now you're rewriting history about yourself, dude. <laughs> Bloody hell. You've been shitting on my dreams for the past seven years, man. <laughs> shitting, speaking of shitting on dreams, like, uh, yeah, maybe in December, we'll find out if she's a terrorist. Is, December uh, 3rd, a, yeah. Yeah, we'll win the Asian Academy Creative Award for best comedy in Asia. So that would be a big dream for both of us uh, to come true. That's yeah, man. Sure, right? It'd be fucking yeah. cool, man. It'd be so yeah, yeah. cool. And, and like, I mean, we... So this yeah. is what? 24th, 25th November? 20, so we're 20, about a week th- away. Now 24th already, yeah. Yeah, we're about a week away from the re- from knowing. Uh. So, but that would be a and pretty also because, awesome. Yeah, because we will have a special special acceptance message. La. Special acceptance message. I mean, right. if we win, la. we don't know if we Yeah, if we'll, we win, la. if we win. La. Uh, don't count your chicks before they hatch. La. I think you just jinxed it by, by mentioning that. La. Eh, fuck off, la, okay? Uh, no, all no, I, all no, I no, said no. was that like, we're sense. still in competition. You're like, oh, we already have acceptance message planned. No, no, no. You cannot have acceptance message planned beforehand. You cannot, no, cannot, but cannot. you like you, you also don't want to be going up there and like not knowing what to say in that small limited time, what? Uh, true, true, true. It's true, but yeah. you don't talk about you don't talk about 
giving a speech when before you've been confirmed to give the speech. Uh. Hey, what happened to Mr. Optimist? Huh? Nothing will derail the rainbow in the in floating in my head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just don't don't jinx it, lah. Just don't jinx it. You can still be optimistic. Just don't jinx it by counting your chicks before they hatch. That's like another <laughs> that's another phrase that I have to teach my son. Don't count your chicks before they hatch. Uh. Don't count your yeah, chicks yeah. before they hatch. Uh. Yeah, yeah. Jinx or what's the pantang? Is it is it pantang? Yeah, lah, pantang, uh, superstition, uh, yeah. Pantang, yeah, like all your superstition, belief, all keep it to yourself, lah, bro. <laughs> Can't help it, lah. This is this is the Deepavali and Christmas. It's a very spiritual period for everyone, lah. <laughs> <laughs> and and on that spiritual note, yep. we have come to the end of our podcast. Yep. So cool. See you all on Reddit. See you all on Reddit, and talk to you all in the next episode.